We uh, just thank you for uh, just the incredible testimony of Jenny and Chris. Uh, Father, we thank you for their faith. Uh, we thank you, God, for just what you have been doing over the last six, seven, eight years in our life and how they have grown in uh, the gospel and, uh, God, how you are moving. And it's just been awesome to see that as their pastor. And uh, so we just give you all the praise and glory for that. God, I thank you for Paisley. Thank you for Luke. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in her life and how you are working and, and what, the, what a blessing she is, God. And so we, we thank you and praise you for that. And Father, we, we know that there are so many, so many other women and men who face similar circumstances who maybe make a different decision. And Father, we just pray for them, God. We pray that uh, you will uh, just help us as a church to love on and to uh, see uh, people the way that you see them, Father, with, with, with eyes of compassion. And that we might uh, engage and walk alongside. And Father, I pray that for, for all of folks, uh, regardless of their race or ethnicity or physical or mental ability, Father, may, may we just we pray for, for those who are oftentimes pushed to the margins of society. And we just pray, God, that you would help us to be uh, a voice for them. But God, more importantly, that we would be able to share hope, the hope of the gospel. And that's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jenny. All right. Well, if you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and open up to the very first book of the Bible. We started this series the first of the year. We're in the book of Genesis, so it should be fairly easy to find. It's right there, the very first book. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a hardback black Bible in the row in front of you somewhere in the seat there. And, and again, that should be there on page one um, of the Bible. Uh, so again, thank you guys for being here. Uh, when we choose what we're going to preach, um, I always kind of like to be, you know, far ahead, usually six months ahead. I kind of know what I'm going to be preaching on. And I want you to know that it's not a process where we just kind of throw a bunch of things in the hat and just pick one out and say, okay, I guess we're preaching on this. Uh, we actually pray about it and we consider it and we ask God to give us wisdom and kind of where he wants us to go. And, uh, and of course, we, you know, it's not just me. I, I bring in other people because, again, I'm about team ministry. And so I bring other people in on the process and ask them to be praying as well. And uh, so we kind of do it that way. And I, I'll be honest with you, I was super excited uh, when we talked about going through Genesis. Um, and I'll tell you why, because I think Genesis is a super, super duper important book. It is a foundational book especially for a Christian, a follower of, of Jesus, it is foundational, especially in forming and shaping your worldview. Okay, I mean, Genesis is super important in that regard. I, I would even go as far as to say the first three chapters of Genesis are extremely important for the follower of Jesus in forming and shaping your worldview. Like, what is your worldview? Do you have kind of a, a culture, society, you know, worldview, or do you have a Christian uh, worldview? And you, you look at the first three chapters of Genesis. I mean, last week we talked about this God who is there, this one God. 
not multiple gods, but this one God who is there, who has always been there, who has always existed, who always will exist. This one God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the heavens and the earth, everything that we see and everything that we don't see out of nothing. And then you see this God, this God who is there, this one God, this creator God, created us, humankind, in his image. And then from there you see in chapter 2, you see that he created them male and he created them female. And we see him uh, forming this union, this, this covenant union of marriage between the man and the woman. And you see that right there. And then you get into chapter 3 and you see man's disregard for God and his disobedience. And you see his rebellion against God. And that rebellion is just absolutely like has caused it, it affected everything. And, and from that point forward, you see uh, right there in Genesis 3, even though there is this sin that enters the world, right there in Genesis 3, you have this glimmer of hope. You have uh, this, this God who is there, who does not abandon his creation. He does not disengage. He does not just, you know, throw up, uh, everything away and say, I'm going to start over. But yet he is a God who cares. And he, you see right there in Genesis 3, this, this plan that was always there from the beginning, this rescue plan that he's going to send his son into this world to live a life that you and I could not live and to die a death that you and I should have died. And that is the good news of the gospel. And so the first few chapters are so important for just shaping our worldview as followers of Jesus Christ. And so that's, that's why I'm excited. But, but, but I talk about the gospel and I talk about all that because I think it's very important. I think it's imperative that especially today as we talk about sanctity of human life and what that means and the implications of all that, that we keep the gospel in the forefront of our minds, that we, we, we keep it there in the center. And then next week, I mean, listen, I knew, I knew months ago what I was going to be preaching on. And I can tell you that I've been praying about it. I've had prayer team praying about it. These are front page issues, hot topics in our society. And next week, we're going to be talking about homosexuality. And not just homosexuality, but sexual sin in general. And so next week, man, if you tend to bring your kids, your elementary age kids into service, I just want to give you some caution. Um, it's going to be a PG-13 sermon. But I say that because I want us to keep the gospel front and center in all this. All right, the gospel is good news, right? Because, listen to me, regardless of how you came into this place today, there may be some of you here who have experienced, uh, you may have firsthand experience with abortion. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you've made some decisions in your past uh, and you just feel like you have this enormous amount of guilt and shame in your life. And I want you to know that regardless of how you came in today, maybe you, are, maybe you feel like God cannot love you. And you're here just because you're here. I want you to know, man, that there is absolutely no sin that is greater than the cross of Jesus Christ. No sin. 
And, and I want you to know that, that whatever is in your past, that you can find hope and healing and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know um, that if you're a follower of Christ, because sometimes we come in here and we have these voices in our head. Uh, we have these voices as we leave here, right? You know, nobody talks to you more than you do. And sometimes we beat ourselves up. And I want you to know that Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So why are you condemning yourself? Now you can let go of that. All right, so, so I just want to just, again, as we enter into this week and next week, just, man, let's keep the gospel in the front and center as we always do, listen, that's what we're about here. We're, we're about Jesus. We're about the gospel. You're always going to hear it here. But I just want us to, to understand that, that we need to model that in our lives. Uh, that, that, that because we've been given grace, we need to extend grace. Okay? Is everybody good? Let's pray and then we'll dive into Genesis chapter 1 starting in verse 26. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your grace and mercy in our life. God, as we navigate through uh, this passage today, just open our minds and our hearts to see uh, your beautiful design. We thank you and praise you. We thank you for Jesus. Uh, I pray, Father, as we exalt him today, that we would see our need for him. I pray, God, your Holy Spirit just continues to move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 1, the words will be on the screen for you. Starting in verse 26, says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so, and God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good, and it was evening, and it was morning on the sixth day. Now, last week we just had the one service, but many of you were here, and uh, we looked at Genesis 1, and we looked at the first three verses specifically, and then we kind of did an overview down through the six days of creation. And we saw that this God who was there created the heavens and the earth, right? And from that point on, uh, we see that uh, in creation's uh, days 1, 2, and 3, he has taken this earth that he has created this universe that he spoke, that he created, uh, and he is forming it. Days 1, 2, and 3, you see God forming uh, the heavens and the earth. And then days 4, 5, and 6, you see God filling his creation. And everything in Genesis chapter 1 is leading up to day 6, where it, just, it culminates on day 6 because he creates man, which is the crown jewel of his creation. Uh, you'll, you'll notice as we read there that as he begins to, uh, to, to create man in his own image, that, that, that his language changes. The details are increased, and the Bible gives explanation of not just what God created, but why God created. Right? There's, there's purpose there. Right? And you, see, you see it there. It says, let us 
This is God. Let us make man in our image. Human beings alone have been created in the image of God. That is God's beautiful design. And this is known as the Imago Dei, which is being created in the image of God. And you see the words in the text there, words like image and likeness. That is identity language. Right? So when we talk about being created in the image of God, what do we mean exactly? Uh, does that mean that God had two arms and two legs and is slightly taller than the average man? No, I don't think that's what it means, right? Because God does not have a physical body. He is a spirit, and he has given each of us a spirit, right? This body of ours, this outer shell, is uh, temporary, uh, praise the Lord, right? Some of us who are getting older, we, we recognize that uh, we're not young anymore, and we can't do some of the things that we used to do, and so our body, uh, we feel those aches and pains, don't we? Right? You younger, you younger people, man, you wait. It's coming. It's coming, right? Um, and so, man, but, but we have a spirit, right, that's going to live for eternity, right? Genesis 2, 7, it says that God breathed into the nostrils of the, the, the breath of life. He breathed into us the breath of life, making man a living soul and giving them spiritual life. God gives humans the ability to work, to think, uh, to feel emotions, to make choices, we are created to reflect God's likeness in his creation. This is a part of, of God's beautiful design for us, right? God's command for humans was to fill or is to fill uh, the earth, to, to multiply, to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. And all of that is an invitation for us to, to bear his image, to reflect him by doing what, what he did in creating the heavens and the earth. Right, so, so human beings alone have been created in the image of God, right? It means we're relational beings. God is a relational God. You see it right there in the text. It says, let us make man in our image. That is a, a, a reference to the triune God, right? Uh, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they have existed for all eternity and will exist forever and they have been in perfect unity with each other, perfect oneness, perfect relationship. And so God created us to be relational beings. When God created man, uh, he said later on, it was the only thing he said was not good, was what? Not for, for man not to be alone. And so God created woman as a helper. And we'll talk about that more next week. But we are not meant to live in isolation. We are meant to live in community. And that is so important. Because oftentimes we, we come into church and, and, and we, we come here and yet we, we live in isolation because we're not connected. We're not, and that's why we stress small groups. That's why we stress being a part of a smaller community where you can be known and you can know others. Because it's super important. This is, this is a part of God's beautiful design. We are creative beings. Now, I'm not going to spend any time on this because I talked at length about it last week. Uh, but, but man, we... we uh, we have the desire to create in us because God is a creative God, right? So, so whether it is that, that you like to, to draw or write or take pictures or decorate your home or, or landscape, whatever it is, that desire in you is there because we have a God who is a creative God, amen? We are moral beings, right? Humans alone have the capacity to know right from wrong. 
And therefore, because of God's beautiful design, because He created us in the image of God, we are different and we are more valuable than anything else in the creative order. The fact that we are created in the image of God gives us, every single person, self-worth and self-value. We have a unique relationship with God that is not shared by the rest of the animal kingdom. And I love animals. Okay, I had pets growing up. Uh, when Robin and I got married uh, 11 years ago, oh, actually when we started dating, uh, I guess you could say, uh, I inherited uh, three pets. Uh, we had a dog. She had a dog. And so it was soon to become my dog as well. Golden Retriever. Right? Anybody love Golden Retrievers in here? We got a lady. Uh, where, Kathy, is she still in here? She, she plays piano for us. She has two Golden Retrievers. And if you don't know Golden Retrievers, man, they have a lot of hair and they shed a lot. Okay, and I'm very OCD when it comes to like cleanliness and neat, just in the house type stuff. Um, and so probably a little bit too, too much. Um, and since I've had kids, man, that's, that's, that has lightened up a bit. But dude, I'm telling you right, nothing stresses me out more than when my kids ask for Ritz crackers at the table. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, no, it's not, it's not quite that bad. But, but I, have, I have loosened up, right? And so, listen, man, you walk into our house when we had our, our golden retriever dog, and it wasn't just like a little bit of hair here and there. It was like clumps. And I mean, like, you could pick it up like this, okay, of hair everywhere, okay? Uh, and, and then we had two cats, uh, Calvin and Hank. And I used to not like cats, uh, but Calvin grew, uh, kind of grew on me. I ended up loving Calvin a lot. Uh, Hank, on the other hand, before we got married... I almost sent him to kitty hell. Uh, he was a mean cat. And, uh, but, but, but people, all, here's the thing, man. I'm gonna, people always ask me, they don't, ask, they don't always ask me, but people like wonder, will there be pets in heaven? Will there be animals in heaven? I'm like, of course there will be. There'll be all kinds. Like, whatever God created there in the beginning, that's, that's kind of going to be like what heaven looks like, right? You'll be able to play fetch with your golden retriever. Maybe not your golden retriever dog, but a golden retriever dog, right? And, and so... Um, but, but here's the thing, right? In, in all those years that we had pets, I never, I never got the sense that any of them thought about eternity. I never got the sense that, uh, that, that any of them thought about retirement or estate planning or, uh, or any of those things, right? But, but here's the thing, right? Humans do. Right? Humans think about death. Humans think about eternity. Listen, God does not pursue Animals. Animals don't pursue God. But God does pursue us. He seeks after us. He, he pursues us. Right? This is, this is God's beautiful design. This is what it means to be created in the image of God. And so we, we have a soul and there is a moral and spiritual component in us that is not in the rest of creative order. Right? God has given us dominion over his creation in a way that other creatures have not. And, and we are to be good stewards with this, what God has given us, right? So, so, so we see that the Bible tells us that we've been created in the image of God, and because of that, every single one of us have value and worth. But now the question is, is when does that image begin? 
Right? When does that image begin? And so let's look at uh, what Psalm 139 says. You don't have to turn there. It's going to be on the screen for you. Uh, Psalm 139 is a familiar psalm. It's one of my favorites. Uh, starting in verse 13, 14, 15, and 16, I'm going to read those for you. This is what it says. The psalmist writes, For you, talking about God, for you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven into the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was nothing. I love that opening line. It says, you formed my inward parts. You, you knitted me together. The, the word form there is, is, is this idea that to, to shape or to mold something. And so you have this idea of, of God being this potter who has got his hands. He's, he's intricately involved. Right now, now, we know that when you go have an ultrasound, uh, you don't see the Holy Spirit in there knitting, knitting you together, right? We know that, that that's not the case. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing, that the, the biology or whatever is it, that, that happens there inside the woman's body, God, God made that. God placed that there. He made all that happen. And so, and so you just think about the, the intimacy at which God has been involved in your life. Right, your your personality and your 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 um, your physical stature was all woven together in your mother's womb for the days that God had planned for you. I mean, that's that, that's God's beautiful design on our lives. But I also want to, to you to notice uh, the the personal pronouns that are used in Psalm one thirty nine to show that there was indeed a person present before birth. Right, so so I think the Bible shows us that the image definitely begins while you're in the womb. But I think the Bible takes it even a step farther than that. And there are several passages that we could look at. But I'm going to just read one to you because I think the Bible will, will say that our image begins at conception. Psalm 51.5, the King David is writing this psalm. And he writes these words. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, David is not making an accusation against his mom in this verse. Okay, D David is not saying that his mom uh, got a little crazy one night, went to the club, and that's how David was conceived. That's not what David is saying here. No, David is saying that at conception, he had a sinful nature. At conception, he had this natural bent away from God. He had this natural bent towards sin. At conception. At conception, that, that, that moral peace was there to where David is saying, at conception, I had this, this moral bent towards sin. And we know that, that ever since sin entered the world in Genesis 3, right, this is, this is what's happened, right? That this, we are born with this, this sinful nature. We have this natural bent towards sin. And listen, if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Since I've had kids, man, a couple things have happened, right? I have, first of all, I have seen just how dirty and wicked my own heart is. But secondly, having kids, I've also seen 
that this is legit true, right? <laughs> that we are born with this natural bent uh, towards sin. And I love my kids. I, mean, I got three kids, all three boys. But I'm, I'm going to tell you something, man. No, nobody has to, um, just, just so you know, man, nobody has to teach your kids how to lie, right? Because they, just, their natural bent is towards sin. They're, they're going to lie. Uh, my two-year-old, Asher, he goes around sometimes, and he will just, out of the blue, just hit one of his older brothers. Now, he doesn't see me going around hitting on anybody, right? It's not like he's learning that. It just, it's just, he's just mad. He's, show, he's showing his anger. He's doing something uh, because his natural bent is towards doing that, right? Um, I'll give you another example. Like, and again, I... I I got to be careful using my kids. Uh, my wife pointed this out to me last night, so I actually tamed this down a little bit. Uh, because they're good kids, I love them to death. But Jude, my oldest, is eight, eight and a half now. And uh, the other night, just the other night, this this happened this past week. Just the other night, um, Shepherd, my middle kid, is up in in the room, and he's playing. We're playing hide and go seek. He's ready for bed. Uh, Jude had to stay up a little bit longer because he was working on some theory or something for piano. And while he's down there, he asked his mom um, if, if he could have a fruit snack. Because he hadn't had one all day, and Shepard had one earlier. And so she gave him a fruit snack. And I knew this. And so as he's coming upstairs, walking into the room that Shepard, he knows Shepard is in there. I said, hey, buddy, don't forget to brush your teeth before bed. And Jude said loudly, especially since I just had a fruit snack now, come on, you know as well as I do what that dude was trying to do, right? He was trying to rub in his shepherd's face. I, I turned around and said, dude, man, if you say that one more time, you will never get fruit snacks for the rest of your life. <laughs> now, luckily, shepherd was hiding underneath the covers of the bed, and he didn't hear you say that. Or, you know, she- shepherd again, I mean, it just, I, I could go on and on. I, I'm going to stop there. But, but, but the point is, the point is, David is saying that this is the natural bent, right? We have this natural bent towards sin. Now, that's what the Bible says, that the image begins at conception. But here's the thing, man. Science has actually come a long way over the last 40 years, and we know things that we didn't know then. I mean, we have 3D ultrasounds now where you can actually see your baby sucking their thumb, and, and you can see your baby smiling, and, and it allows us to see these things, right? We, we know, get this, we know that at day one, your genetic makeup is, is determined. At, at day one, you have a completely unique strand of DNA that's separate from your mother. At day one, at conception, at day one, your sex, your eye color, your skin color, and your hair color are all determined. We know that by eight weeks, all of uh, the organs of the baby are working. The baby's heart is circulating its own blood. The baby is, the kidneys are flushing the, the baby's fluids. I mean, science actually confirms what the Word of God tells us, and that is that human life begins at conception. And here's what we need to know, man. God, God places a high value and worth on all human life, from, from the unborn child to the oldest of the elderly. And regardless of physical or mental ability, God's handiwork can be found on each, each person. And God loves and cherishes each, 
each one. That's God's beautiful design. But unfortunately, man, we live in a broken world. We, we live in a world that, 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 that sin has just invaded and uh, has distorted. Has, this, this image of God that, that we're supposed to bear has become deeply flawed and distorted because of sin, right? Our, our sin separated us from God and, and moral purity was lost and replaced by a sinful nature. And really from, from, from Genesis 3 on, you see this pattern of just how we have continued to just go down and down and down. And, and here's the thing, man. I don't think we're any worse off today than what they were back in the Old Testament. Um, I think if you go back, I mean, we've, we've always just been, I don't know how to say it, but a wicked and, and depraved people. Uh, it may be harsh, but I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, we're not the first group of people to kill our kids. And you go back to the Old Testament, and they were more barbaric. I mean, they, they, would, they would offer child sacrifices up to, to Molech. You see that in the Old Testament? It's just that the difference is we're more civilized about it, right? And just to show you how upside down our culture is, and you know this. I mean, me telling you this, this isn't anything new. When it comes to valuing human life and God's beautiful design for us, it, it absolutely blows my mind. When I see people, and I just saw this the other day, uh, I was scrolling through social media, and I saw these hunters who shot this baby elephant. And listen, I'm all for baby elephants, okay? I'm not condoning shooting baby elephants. Uh, that's not the point. But the point is, is that you start to read the comments, and you see this massive outrage against killing of this baby elephant. I mean, people going bonkers. And yet it's okay for a woman at 24 weeks pregnant to drive to the abortion clinic and terminate her baby. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, or, or, or how, how insane is it that, uh, that, 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 that woman can, can be going to an abortion clinic, driving there, her car could be hit, and the baby would die, and the person who hit her could, could uh, be charged with invo- involuntary manslaughter. And yet, if she would have just made it two blocks down to the clinic, she would, could have terminated without any. Did, did you see the, the issue here? I've used this example before. Um, and if you're not a sports fan, then you won't know this, but I'm going to share it anyway because I'm on a stage and I can I used to, I, you know, being a Virginia Tech fan, I, I loved, you know, watching Michael Vick play. Um, if you don't know who Michael Vick is, that's okay. Um, but, but Michael Vick got into some trouble uh, when he got to the NFL, and he, he made some poor decisions, no doubt. Uh, but, he, but he got in trouble for dogfighting. Dog and again, I'm not condoning dogfighting. It's horrible. But, but Mike Vick got five years for dogfighting, and he served five years and yet I see in the news all the time people who have done way more heinous crimes than that, committing murder, taking human life, devaluing human life, who either get less than that or just a few years more. Did, do you see how uh, just, uh, just imbalanced and just upside down everything is? And, and so, you know, where, where do we go 
from here. Well, there, there's good news. Uh, whether it's the issue over uh, abortion and, and ending a life of a child in the womb, or, or listen, it's pornography and dehumanizing and devaluing the life of, of men and women, or simply just disregarding the poor, the orphan, and the widows. We've basically created our own definition of how, value, how, would, how we should value human life. And, and, and the good news is that there is hope. Our only hope in life and death is that we belong to God. Our only hope in life and death is that Jesus Christ came to do what you and I could not do. Jesus Christ put on flesh and he fulfilled the image-bearing of God, right? The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he says, the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. In other words, Jesus is the image of God that we were intended to be. Jesus came and he lived the life that we could and he died the death that we should have. He was victorious. He succeeded where we fell short. That is the good news of the gospel. And the good news of that is, is that we can turn to Jesus. That, that regardless of, of what you've done, regardless of your past, you can find hope and healing and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He has come to rescue and to restore, to redeem the Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ when you come and put your faith and trust in Jesus, right? That, that all of our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. And so this is what I would challenge us with today. Listen to me, Jesus is not just calling us to have a moral position on this issue. Jesus is calling us to engage and to enter in. Right? This is what we are called to do, called into to action. Right? The, 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 um, the reality is, is that for every one of those babies represented that are terminated, there are real men and real women who are going through situations where they feel hopeless. Right? Now, not everybody has, like Jenny said, not everybody has a family or church family that can surround them and love on them. There are people who, who feel like they have the weight on the world on them and they feel like life is hopeless and they feel like their only way out is to to do this thing and so they're carrying this massive amount of guilt and shame in their life and this is where God is calling us man to engage to come alongside and to to walk with these people and to show them love and compassion to show them that there is hope that there is healing that there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ there's a great website called abort73.com that you can check out Abort73.com has lots of information on there. And what's interesting is that the majority of women who have had abortions are women who are unmarried and in their 20s. And the two biggest reasons cited for women having an abortion is they can't afford a child or they don't want to be a single parent. Man, that's, that's, that's where the church can step in, right? That's where the church can, can, can be there. And walk alongside of these women and these men and showing them the, the same love and compassion that Christ has shown us. Right? Of all the places, the church needs to be a place where we can come and we can be honest. Right? Where we can come and we can just let let go. And 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 and, and I mean this is what Jesus when Jesus comes, he says, I am the light that is coming to the darkness. 
That, that's what Jesus, when Jesus says, I have come to set you free, that's what he's talking about. He's the light that's going to expose the darkness. And what happens is so many of us come into this place week in and week out, and we're carrying these burdens, and we're carrying this guilt and shame because we're still in the dark. Well, we don't want people to know this about me. And so it's impossible for you to find true hope and healing and forgiveness because you're still holding on to it. And it's, it's killing you. And yet, the good news of the gospel is, is that you can find that. right? The, the, that's the whole point, man. We, we want to be a church where we can come in and, and just be honest. right? We can confess and repent and turn to Jesus and be rescued and be restored and be redeemed. I love what John Piper says. He says, the beautiful thing about the gospel is it teaches us how to live, but it also rescues us when we fail to live the way we're supposed to live. And basically what he's saying there is this, is he's saying that, that, that the good news of the gospel is, is that we can pursue Christ, that we can, be, uh, that we can be totally known. Listen to me, when Jesus went to the cross, he outed you. you, you, you we're all sinners in here. The problem is we just like to hold on to our, our personal sin and don't let anybody know. But, but the good news of the gospel is, is that we can be exposed, right? We can, hey, this, this, is, this is known, and we can just pursue Christ, and we could grow. And then what John Piper is saying there is, is that when we fall short, because we will continue to fall short, we don't have to lay there and wallow in our guilt and shame because we've been forgiven. See, the gospel allows us to be able to get back up and keep pursuing without the guilt and shame. And that's, that's what I want to plead with you this morning, man. We need to be a people that just continually models the gospel in our lives. Extend the grace that has been given to us. Right? So, uh, just to give you some, some things here, uh, some, some areas where as a church we are engaged with and you can volunteer and serve and be a part of these things. Um, but but we, have, uh, we support the Pregnancy Help Center of Chesterfield. Um, the director actually attends church here. We have several folks in our church that volunteer and serve at the Pregnancy Help Center. Uh, you may have seen the table out front with all the baby bottles. Uh, that's for you to take and uh, bring that baby bottle back filled with uh, a, a lot of money. A lot of money, okay? Uh, and, uh, and then you can bring that back, and that helps support them. Uh, but we have several folks that volunteer, and they mentor women, and they mentor men. And there's uh, ways for you to volunteer and serve there. And so please go by that table. We'll grab some information. Uh, talk to somebody there. Um, it's a cool thing. I, I, one of the coolest things for me is I've been able to go to the Pregnancy Health Center banquet the last three years. And it is awesome to see uh, the transformation is happening in the lives of, of women and men. It is just fantastic. I mean, the, the Pregnancy Health Center is doing a, an awesome work. And so please, please support them. Uh, again, as a church, we support them. Um, and so please do that. Uh, but, but let me again emphasize that if, if we believe in the Imago Dei, right, that we've been created in the image of God, that, that this is all a part of God's beautiful design, then what it means to be pro-life is, is, is bigger than just the unborn. Right? I mean, yes, uh, the unborn are the most vulnerable because they don't have a voice. But what it means to be pro-life is to take a position of compassion and kindness towards all people, regardless of race, ethnicity, physical or mental ability. That, that, that every single person has worth and value because they've been created in the image of God. Amen? And so with that said, man, listen, we partner with Hope Tree Foster Family care here in Chester 
Uh, we, we try to minister to them and serve them. We have folks that have, that have uh, taken in uh, young people into their homes, right? Because we need to care uh, just as much for them as we do the unborn. Uh, we, we have a ministry here, uh, the Blicks and um, the Hester small group. Uh, you guys, have, for the last several years, have been doing a ministry at Par 3 Motel out on Jeff Davis Highway. And, and you talk about the people who are marginalized. You talk about people who are poor and homeless. Right? Th- this group has been going out there consistently month after month for how many years? Three years? And God is doing some cool things, man. Not just in people's lives out there, but in your own lives. And I am super excited to, to, to let you know, man, that this year, coming up in the next couple months, uh, we are going to be partnering with an organization called 3E Restoration. And it's an organization that's going to be able to come in and train uh, several folks who are already, I mean, we've probably got 12, 15 folks already interested in this. And, and they're going to be able to train us on how to best serve the marginalized in our, in our community. How to best serve the poor and the folks who, who are in that situation so that we can minister to them, so that we can bring them to complete restoration. And I'm excited about that. We've got several folks that are already signed up and going to participate in that. And so you'll be hearing more about that in the next couple, couple months. But, but these are just ways, man, as a church that we're trying to engage and, and just that every single person has worth and value because of, of the image of God. And so we're going to close out here. I'm going to pray for us. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you're here this morning and you've, uh, you don't know Jesus, you've never experienced that, that, that hope and that forgiveness and that healing, man, I want to invite you to come up front after the service and talk with me. I'm going to be right here, and I would love to chat with you about what that means to follow Jesus. If you're here this morning, and man, you just, you're carrying uh, that weight, you're carrying, and it doesn't have to be anything. But you're just, you're constantly living in that guilt and shame. I want to invite you today to let go of that. Surrender that. We have a prayer team today uh, here every week. And, and they are wearing tags that have prayer on it. And after the service, they're going to be available throughout the auditorium. If you want to go find one of them and have them pray with you, that would be awesome. If you want to grab the person beside you and have them pray with you, that would be awesome. Again, we, we want to just create this space for you to give you the freedom and the time to be able to process, do whatever you need to do. So I'm going to close this out with a word of prayer. All right, so I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to close this out. And after I'm done praying, then you can move however you want to. You can go have prayer. You can go pick up your kids. You can chat. You can do whatever. But I just wanted to give you that space, okay? So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for your beautiful design, God, that we have been created in your image. I pray, Father, that we uh, would not just take a, a, a moral position on this, God, but that we, would, that we would enter into the mess of people's lives just the way that you entered into ours. God, in the same grace that you have given us, God, may we extend that same grace to others. Father, give us eyes to see. Father, I pray if there's somebody here today that is carrying the weight of some sort of guilt or shame in their life, God, if they would see Jesus and they would see how beautiful he is and if they would let go of that, God. I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, I pray that they would come and make that 
decision today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.